Hey folks, welcome to this special edition of Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along. As always, I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and for this show, we're going to examine how my group got so far off of the storyline we've been writing this season. My hope is that if you are having the same problems, some of the solutions I've come up with can help you get the storyline working so that your campaign can roll all the way to the end. I have to begin by offering up my thoughts on what went wrong with the game for my group. First things first, it's not that things went wrong. Let me be clear on that. I've said multiple times throughout the building process that I figured my group would do something other than what we built. I know my group, and I know if you give them two options, they'll create at least two more of their own. So part of the issue here is that we can't account for every possible outcome. I mean, if we tried to write out scenarios to cover every possible decision a group could make, we'd still be working on the first or second session of the game after 24 episodes. And from a podcast standpoint, I don't believe that would make for very interesting listening. So we build out a couple of possibilities and hope our groups pick one of them. So like I said, my group hasn't done anything wrong. They've just been themselves and I've had to adjust on the fly. And some of you have pointed out potential flaws in some of the on-the-fly changes I've made to the materials as we've gone along. So let's address a couple of them before I get into my theories. One thing that's been pointed out is that it seems as if I'm giving out a ton more caps to my group than we've written into the game. And there have been concerns that I'm potentially overpowering my players. And I have to admit there might be a point there. I mean, my group's very much into negotiating for almost every little thing, and with Clayton's character having a really good total in that area, they tend to get more caps than I'd anticipated. So they've gotten a decent number of caps over the past several games. However, I'm not as troubled with that as I probably should be, because they do need to have the ability to buy better weapons and or armor, and while they haven't necessarily done that yet, they have the ability to do so if needed. Also, I've been taking that into account when I'm figuring out how to up the challenge of an encounter for them, even if I don't necessarily mention it in the recaps. It's also been noted that my group has managed to talk themselves out of several situations that we've written to not allow for it. Again, I'm guilty as charged on that, but there's what I believe to be a pretty good reason for that. I've said on more than one occasion on this show and on role-playing history that the most important part of a role-playing game session is that the players have fun. So if they want to try to talk their way out of things rather than fight, I feel an obligation to at least let them try it. There's always the chance they'll fail, but to this point, that hasn't been the case. So that doesn't bother me too much, especially since they're having fun doing what they're doing. Okay, so let's hit on why I think my group sort of went away from the adventure the way it's been written. And for the record, I think there are multiple reasons, so this might take a few minutes. First, I think I counted too much on them getting emotionally invested in the NPCs I wrote into the game. I had intended for Paul and his issue with his kidnapped wife to tug on the emotions of the group. And whether it's how I wrote it, how I delivered it, or how it was received, they just didn't seem to have the reaction I hoped they would. That's not an indictment of them, by the way, but rather an observation. I mean, there are a ton of fantasy novels out there where the author intends for you to feel a certain way about something, and you wind up feeling the opposite. So this is by no means the first time it's ever happened. I do think, however, that I could have set a couple more hooks into the emotional attachment line by having other NPCs with the same issue, rather than having so many jobs for underworld types. 
that might have caused the group to feel more negativity towards Jackson Denman, which might have caused them to stay more on the path we'd carved for them. But then again, if we'd gone that way, we would have also had a situation where we missed out on opportunities with Corinth and Igmon, or some of the Jessup Chemical stuff. Or at least we wouldn't have had them where we had them where we wrote. And maybe I'm overthinking the Jackson Denman thing. I mean, my group is starting to get on board with the theme that Garson Tactical and Jessup Chemicals are up to something more than what they originally thought. So now they are starting to head in the direction we'd originally created. They're just coloring way on the outside of the lines at this point. I think another reason for the lack of emotional attachment comes from the inherent issues that taking a lot of jobs brings with it. It's occurred to me since I started that by taking jobs from different people who want different things, it's very easy to not establish any sort of emotional attachment to them since it's just a job. But again, the story necessitated the first four jobs the group did, so we sort of had to live with the results. Oh, and for those wondering why I'm so hard on myself, I hear that a lot. Why are you so hard on yourself, man? If you're new to either of my podcasts, I should tell you, I'm a perfectionist, so I tend to look back on what I've done with a very critical eye. So yeah, needless to say, my therapist is making bank on me. Here's the thing about where we are at this point with my group. I know there's a part of me that's acting like all is lost. Again, that's the perfectionist. Let me look at this with more of an optimist view. While the team didn't grab hold of the emotional connection like I hoped they would, they have taken to Victor in the way that I'd hoped. So with his issues with Garson Tactical, I've got a line to get the Jackson Denman hook in along the way. And if you caught the last couple of episodes, I've got a lot more on that particular subject coming up. I think we're also okay with the fact that the group is acting more like guns for hire. That makes it easier to hit them with groups that just don't like them or are on the opposite side of the jobs they've done. Again, we can tie into the overall theme just by connecting the dots. While it might look more like a Jackson Pollock painting instead of the Mona Lisa, it'll still be a work of art when we're done. Hopefully. Okay, so what are some of the ideas you can use to get back on track if your group is in the same bind as mine? I guess we need to understand that I don't know exactly how your group got off track, but I'm going to bet it might just look like mine. So I'm going to give you a few ideas I'm holding for when I have to work off the cuff a bit more for my group, and you should feel to use them, adjusting the specifics however you need to in order to make it work for you. I alluded to the path I'm pretty sure I'm going to use with my group, and that's to utilize the link between Jessup Chemicals and Garson Tactical to draw the group into this dream, as it were. Plus, two sessions ago, I seeded the ground for this possibility, with Victor's demanding retribution for the kidnapping of Corinth and Igmon, as well as that special file Gabe wasn't able to crack at the time. If you caught yesterday's show, you know he still hasn't cracked it. But he will. It's just going to take time, and when he does, he'll get the Denman story we laid out in the episode where they invaded the Jessup facility at Barnes Hospital. And he'll get all of the information, since I'm making the file hard to crack. In theory, the Denman connection will give them another lead to follow, which will expedite their wanting to follow the path we're laying out. Might it seem like a bit of railroading? Perhaps, but I've noted on more than one occasion that you have to do a bit of railroading when you GM. Otherwise, you spend a ton of time not getting into the story because the group has a thousand side trips they want to make. So in this case, I think we'll be okay. But of course, we're also talking about how to get your group back on track. So if what happened to my group isn't what happened to yours, how do we get them back on track? Another way I considered getting my group back on track, as it were, 
was to conjure up another NPC or two that they could have emotional ties to. I realized that the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the results to change. But just because it didn't work for my group doesn't mean it won't work for yours. One of the easiest ways to implement this would be to have them do a job or two for somebody then either have that someone or someone in that NPC's family taken. Through their search, you could bring Garson Tactical into it as either the bad guys or someone who also wants that individual, and you can make them want them for something nefarious. With everything we've already got out there concerning Garson and their dislike of the group, it should make for an easy transition to wanting to get their evens on Garson. One of the most frequently noted issues I've seen in games is a group not even getting into the main storyline. This usually happens when a group gets so much into the side quests and portions of the game world you hadn't really mapped out that they don't pick up on the things that are intended to jumpstart the overall campaign. Trust me, it's the scenario of a million memes. Just check it. In our game, we're doing a lot of different jobs, and this could very easily happen. I mean, at any point, the group could decide they're really not interested in getting involved in the overall issues between rivals. How to fix that is, in my opinion, pretty easy. Getting your group to actually get into it, on the other hand, can be more difficult. Much like my other solution to the issue, Garson Tactical has to be involved at some point, and probably multiple times. They'd need to, for some reason, start to target the group. The easiest way to do this would be to put some background in that one of the jobs they did went against something Garson wanted or needed. That would up the tension between the group and Garson, and would most likely cause the group to want to dig deeper into Garson to really do them some damage and or shut them down. That would also give you the platform you'd need to build on the Garson-Jessup connection. Look, we could go on for another hour about alternate ideas, but I think what we've got here is enough to get pretty much any group back on track. And if your group has managed to stay on track to this point, well done on your part. You're obviously a better GM than me. Anyway, that's the special episode. I hope what we discussed here was helpful for you. And if it wasn't, hit me up on the socials and I'll work with you directly to figure out what to do. In the meanwhile, as always, you can check out Role Playing History, which is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll get our new episodes dropped next week. I'd normally do the whole closing spiel here, but you got it yesterday, I'm sure. So I'll just do my usual close. Until next time, I'm the bad GM Wayne Davis, and I'll see you at the game table.